Hello, and welcome to Breadcrumbs, a podcast brought to you by Trace Labs. Our mission here is to deliver OSINT for everyone. We hear from community leaders, industry experts, and everyday people about the tools, topics, and techniques that will make your OSINT collection better. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Breadcrumbs. Today, I am joined by Michelle Khan. He is a cybersecurity consultant and a privacy consultant, and he's going to be talking to me about LinkedIn, and I'm pretty excited for this conversation. I think a lot of us are on LinkedIn, and we're hopefully going to learn something today. Michelle, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom, for having me. Yeah, so we just filmed a video. Um, hopefully, everyone listening to this podcast goes and checks out the video, and you showed me a really fascinating technique with LinkedIn. You showed me how to turn an email address into a profile and vice versa. You showed me how to turn potentially a profile into an email address. And both those things are gonna be incredibly valuable for a lot of OSINT investigations. Today, I really just wanna explore that topic with you. You're obviously knowledgeable. So it was something I kind of wanted to keep you after the video and just have a maybe a longer form discussion. How's that sound? Sure, absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so at the risk of recapping the entire video, uh, would you like to give maybe a high-level summary of what you just showed me? Sure. Um, LinkedIn is kind of overlooked at times, and people will simply browse through profiles. It doesn't have a lot of uh, robust search capabilities. Like one of the things as OSINT investigators, we see a lot are email addresses, or names and or phone numbers. This is the seed information that we usually get. Now, how do we use that seed information um, to search further or deeper into LinkedIn? So one of the techniques is um, contact exploitation. The reason we do this technique is because LinkedIn does not allow us to search through email addresses. You put an email address in the search bar and nothing shows up. So what you need to do is import your the email addresses within uh, LinkedIn and let LinkedIn suggest to you that, hey, this email address already is registered under this name. So that name would, would pop up and so allow them to give you suggestions rather than searching it yourself. So this is a bypass uh, technique um, when they don't allow you to search through emails anymore. So that's a that's a pretty powerful technique. And not only does it work in LinkedIn, it, uh, similar techniques of contact exploitation also work with other social media platforms. Yeah, contact exploitation. Um, if you do any anything past maybe a beginner level of OSINT research, you're going to run into contact exploitation. And it's my sort of general understanding is platforms want you to discover people or they want to discover people for you. So you can use that in an interesting way by feeding them people you're looking for information on and they'll do a lot of the legwork for you. So just using a built-in feature of the platform in a way that maybe it wasn't intended for. So Right. I mean, if they're going to exploit your contact information, that's why we call it contact exploitation, but it, now it's in our benefit versus their benefit. Indeed. <clears throat> so looking at LinkedIn as a source of open source intelligence, would you like to give me your take on it, like why it's valuable and, and maybe how it's different from Facebook, Instagram, things like that? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and a few others 
they're very fast moving platforms. People will update those constantly. They'll they'll stay on it every few days. They're gonna add a few things uh, within there. You know what they were eating, where they were sleeping, where they were. Uh, you you'll get a lot of good information from those platforms, but a lot of that information may not be accurate. People are aware of the privacy concerns, at least to some level. I hope. But at the same time, it's very easy to to fool those systems and, and put false information there. And and there's no reason why anyone would put true information. I've seen, uh, especially nowadays, I've seen people just just put bogus information in their profile, um, in in LinkedIn, in, in um, social media platforms like Facebook and stuff. But LinkedIn is kind of different because they actually need that social presence to get jobs, to get contacts, to to get professional uh, level contacts. And if you're lying out bla blatantly in professional level platforms like that, then you're, you're, you're ruining your own reputation. So I feel people are more compelled to tell the truth or at least post the truth about their achievements, about what they've done, the certifications they've achieved, where they've worked, if it's a prestigious uh, company or a university. People are more proud to display their um, achievements, their professional level achievements on LinkedIn. So I feel LinkedIn should be taken a little bit more seriously versus others. Not to say people don't lie on LinkedIn. Yeah, they do all the time. Look up my date of birth on my LinkedIn profile. It's it's bogus. It's April 1st. Uh, so a lot of those things that don't matter. Yeah, I'll, I'll fool around with it. But a lot of the other things, every time I'm on, I'm, I'm presenting something, I'll post, hey, I presented this, I want the world to know. This is my version of uh, um, advertising um, knowledge or information and stuff like that. But inadvertently, I'm also exposing a little bit about myself, where I was, who were the people around me, which companies uh, I was around or with or working for. So there's, there's a level of exposure there. And as OSINT professionals, uh, we will exploit that. Even if I can't get to you, at least I can get to someone around you. At least I know the company now or, or the place. If I have five John Doe's I'm searching for, and I, I found the right John Doe using these techniques that I just showed, contact exploitation or uh, looking up through a breach, your actual email address, which led me to your profile. Now, at least I know that the John Doe I'm looking for, he's in Chicago. So at least it narrows down. Now, the other 10 pieces of information that I may have had through other OSINT sources, which led to, hey, this person may be in New York, North Carolina, or Chicago, but LinkedIn showed me, hey, he works in Chicago. Now I've suddenly eliminated all those other options, and now I've narrowed it down. So the whole point of OSINT in general is to get as many sources of data as you can, and then start eliminating the ones that are no longer relevant and verification. Uh, as, as rookie OSINT uh, people, we, we kind of tend to take everything for granted. We say, oh, we got this information, it must be true. No, I always say what's more important than getting the information is to verify the information. If your investigation is serious, you're looking for an actual stalker or a killer or a missing person, you better be sure that this is the information you're getting because you're going to be passing off on that information to law enforcement, or you're going to be taking actions that may have repercussions. And if it's based on false information, uh, you know, you're going to suffer at the end and your whole OSIN is going to, um, you, you can't justify all of that. So you need to verify. Absolutely. Um, OSINT is definitely quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. um, if if, if it's not verifiable or if it's wrong, 
you've wasted a tremendous amount of your time and resources, and now your investigation could be going in a completely wrong direction. So I couldn't agree more there. In the context of Trace Labs, I can tell you that LinkedIn isn't even in our top five as far as, you know, OSINT sources. Typically with, with a Trace Labs missing person CTF, you're going to see Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, but LinkedIn is definitely, I'm not going to say it's underutilized, but I think that the information on LinkedIn isn't as useful for maybe a Trace Labs missing person CTF. But I still think it's incredibly valuable. Um, would you like to speak to maybe some big picture scenarios where LinkedIn would probably trump all the other OSINT sources or all the other social media platforms? I can think of a few off the top of my head. I'll give you an example. As you were talking, an example popped up in my head on how I actually use this to, to locate a person. This wasn't a missing person, so to speak, but it falls under a similar category. This was a hacker that I was trying to uh, locate, and he was a kid. I knew enough information about his social media accounts, all of his social media accounts under different aliases, but I could not pinpoint a location to this person. I knew his full name, his phone number, uh, email addresses, multiple email addresses, but I just couldn't find um, the, the city or state or an address. And that's what I was after to give to law enforcement. Um, so the way I found that was since I knew who the person was, I looked for his family members. He had a very, very unique name, a very unique last name. And, and his phone number was registered under his father's name because he was a kid. So I looked up his, his father and I looked him up on LinkedIn because that was one of the only places he was in. On LinkedIn, it showed where he worked. Uh, so I, it got me a city. Uh, eventually, I did more OSINT on that. It found I, I found out uh, multiple things from his uh, LinkedIn profile about his previous jobs. Um, his personal information was there. I believe his date of birth and stuff was there, which helped me verify that this is the person that I'm looking for through other public uh, data sources. And then eventually, that was the bottleneck that I was in. And that kind of opened up the doors for me to locate the person's actual home address by finding out his father's um, home address through LinkedIn. So if LinkedIn doesn't help you directly, it can help you indirectly. Because if you're not making mistakes uh, you know, with your profiles, you may make a mistake because of your family members. Your family members may not be as private or as conscious about these things as, as you are. So that's how I would use it in such a scenario if it's a missing person. Absolutely. I think all of us are just one parent's Facebook post away from being doxxed, yeah. <laughs> no matter how seriously we take our privacy. Um, and I, I think what you just described is probably what separates a brand new OSINT practitioner from a more seasoned one. Like myself, I probably would have given up after like, well, I can't find them on, like, even if I found them on LinkedIn, like, okay, I can't find the information I need here. I'm going to go somewhere else. But what you just described was pivoting over to, or you know, taking a roundabout way into that information. I think that that's probably what, what separates a more seasoned investigator or a more experienced investigator from maybe a newcomer. So if, if anyone's listening and wants to learn how to level up their game, that's exactly how, <laughs> just see those angles. 
And to add to that, you have to have a positive attitude towards OSINT. OSINT is something that'll, that'll take a lot of your time. And the more you search for someone and the more you don't find the information that you're looking for, you kind of get disheartened initially. So you have to keep a positive attitude, continue your efforts. Eventually, you're going to find the person. When I hunt for missing people or people who have wronged other people, whether it's a hacker or a stalker or someone who's bothering someone under an alias name or, or whatever, uh, people come to me and say, you know, this is kind of impossible to find. It's been going on for years and we've had law enforcement. We have this and that. I come to them and I tell them, you know, I'm going to find them. It's just a matter of time. If you can give me patience, I'll get you the person. And their expressions change, their attitude changes suddenly. They're like, you know, just saying this alone is enough to console us a little bit that it's going to be all right, that you're going to find him eventually. I'm like, it's just a matter of time because I'm not going to stop until I, uh, I explore every single option. And there's hundreds, if not thousands of resources and options available. And it's just a matter of time. That's the way I see it. And this is also, you know, subliminally telling myself in my brain that uh, you're, you're going to do it uh, no matter what. This is that I'm not going to give up attitude. And that's what has eventually caused me to succeed in OSINT. Sometimes it's taken me months to solve um, complex OSINT cases. But when you plan it out, when you have a methodology, when you put all these mind maps up uh, and connect the pieces together, eventually you're going to come to a conclusion even if you don't you know even if months pass and you don't at least inside you have that um you know that you tried and you tried every single method and you have no regrets because the worst thing is you know you, you try and try and give up and then later on someone else finds it or you find it and then you have this regret oh i wish i would have searched more i wish i would have searched linkedin or this technique or that technique or whatever so i just don't want regrets in my search practices Absolutely. Um, thinking through my own personal experiences with LinkedIn OSINT, um, <clears throat> anyone doing any kind of social engineering, if they're not using LinkedIn, they're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. I know when I was getting ready for the SECTF um, back in DEF CON 27, yeah, the last live one, um, mm -hmm. LinkedIn was so valuable. Um, just, just sketching out the hierarchy of the organization that you're looking at um, even if you, even if people aren't putting their exact job titles, now you at least know departments. So, you know, you call someone and say, hey, oh, sorry, I'm trying to get a hold of uh, Nick in recruiting. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, let me transfer you. Oh, thank you. Um, it can be, and then you can just spider all throughout an entire organization. Um, I'd like to talk about maybe some of the LinkedIn privacy controls and, you know, talk about, you know, some maybe roundabout ways to see things on LinkedIn that people might not have realized, but also just talk through how do we understand what we're exposing? Yeah, and, and it's interesting you you mentioned all the social engineering aspects. That's, that's a whole different avenue of scammers or marketing professionals or, or, or people you, you just don't want that in your life. Uh, a lot of that, that exposure is there because it's there by default. Uh, and people, some people will expert it. You mentioned the SECTF. Uh, um, I also did the SEPP, the Social Engineering Professional uh, uh, Certification from Chris Hatnagy. And I, I used these techniques extensively, the social engineering techniques that feed off of the information, like you said, uh, primarily from LinkedIn. Because 
we are calling up or emailing professionals who, who work in an environment and we're using all that information around what events are happening in the organization, uh, where they work or what delivery uh, platform they use or what you know garbage disposal company that they're, they're using or whatever. And we use that information against them to exploit it for our malicious purposes, for the SE purposes, for a pen test, just to expose it and tell those people, hey, you know, you're exposed in this area and uh, let's try to fix it. So now comes the other part of uh, uh, the, the puzzle, I call it the yin-yang of uh, OSINT and privacy. So when you're doing OSINT, you realize, okay, I'm exposed as well, or others are exposed. How do I do the other part? How do I not expose myself? So that's the privacy piece of this. Unfortunately, by default, everything is not private in these social media platforms. And that's for their own benefit. Obviously, they want um, to expand their platforms. Um, but one thing we should all be doing is uh, when we open new accounts or look through all your existing accounts, go through the privacy section and see what's there. Every platform will have something different or unique, but lock it down. Uh, go, like for LinkedIn, for example, uh, it allows anyone to search through email address. That uh, contact exploitation technique that I used uh, will not work if I go under privacy settings and set my visibility to not be searched with my email address. Uh, so, so do that. In fact, when I did these techniques, I realized, yeah, I was exposed to my email addresses in that LinkedIn data breach as well. So now people know my uh, personal email address, which was naive of me, but this was uh, 2012. I didn't know better uh, at that point. And so I don't blame people for having uh, using their personal email addresses. But now today, what I did was I changed that email address to a burner email address on LinkedIn, something that is unique to LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn at whatever a special domain name.com. So now it's not linked to anywhere else. So if one email address gets compromised, uh, so what? Only one social media uh, account was compromised because of that. So go through the privacy settings, uncheck the boxes of you know, allowing being searched or sharing your information. Whatever information is there that shouldn't be there, like your date of birth, why does LinkedIn need your date of birth? Um, if, if you have to put one, put a bogus date of birth and um, your location. Yeah, sure, put your location in as something generic. If I'm out of Chicago, put Chicago. There's no need to put the exact city or address or uh, specific details. If you don't need to, don't put it, put anything at all. Uh, so go through it one by one and and look, look at that information from the other side, uh, from an OSINT perspective, from a person who may be looking at this and uh, trying to exploit it or social engineer you. A lot of the times the information I put in there is used against me in a way where I get calls saying, hey, so-and-so, I know you work here or there or whatever information, and it's inaccurate. And I know why it's inaccurate because I put it out there and people are now using it uh, against me. And I laugh at it. I'm like, yeah, that's misinformation that I purposely put in there. And now you're <laughs> using it against me. So, so do that. Put just enough that benefits you and not benefit the platform because the platform will exploit it for their own purposes. Very good. Is there anything else you'd like to add just about LinkedIn OSINT in general, or even just OSINT in general? I really enjoyed your, your explanation about the tenacity of OSINT collection and the patience of OSINT collection. 
Yeah, OSINT is fun. There's a lot of information out there. Um, I always try to balance it with your own personal privacy um, antics. There has to be a balance. You can't go in in one extreme or the other. You can't go in the extreme and say, I want to be off the grid and I don't want anything to do with this because OSINT works so well. Um, I want to disappear. You can't do that either because you need to have a presence online in today's day and age. If you have a job, if, you, if you're in marketing, if you're uh, doing lectures like I do, I need a certain level of exposure for my own personal marketing purposes. I want people to know who I am. I want to get that next better, better job. I want pe- to connect with people. I want to socialize. I want to educate. How do I do all these things by not exposing myself? Well, there has to be a balance. Expose what you need to um, and then hide everything else that you don't need to. Um, so there has to be this balance continuously, and that's a and that's tough. Uh, so when you we're doing OSINT, it also educates us a lot about the privacy side. And I say both of these things go hand in hand. And my only advice to everyone listening is create that balance. Don't be on one uh, one of the two extremes, but create that balance. Educate yourself. And um, at the end of the day, we need to socialize as human beings uh, as long as these big corporations are going to exploit our own information for their own benefit and sell our information to make more money and become better. Um, We also need to take care of our own privacy and we need to take specific actions in either blurring some of our information, protecting our own information and causing a certain level of disinformation as well when nothing else works. So we are responsible for our own privacy. No one else is going to help us in that. Very good. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to talk to me. I look forward to hearing from you again. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you for having me, Tom. It was a pleasure. This has been another episode of Breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more about the organization, you can find us at tracelabs.org. Find us on Twitter at tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs. 